0: It's January 31st. Can you believe it? We're at the end of the month and we are in the climactic chapter on the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. And so you're not going to want to miss any of these details. We're beginning with chapter 12, verse 14. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam. When you think about this chapter, it gives you the outline for the Feast of Commemorating the Passover even before the Passover takes place. God has something in mind. He is saying that what is about to happen I don't want you to forget because it points to something even greater. Beginning with verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened, from the first day until the seventh day, that person should be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day, of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If any one eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever and when you come to the land that the lord will give you as he promised you shall keep this service and when your children say to you what do you mean by this service you shall say it is the sacrifice of the lord's passover for he passed over the houses of the people of israel in egypt when he struck the egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock, And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, go and serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about six hundred thousand men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of egypt and could not wait nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves the time that the people of israel lived in egypt was four hundred and thirty years at the end of four hundred and thirty years on that very day all the hosts of the lord went out from the land of egypt it was a night of watching by the lord to bring them out of the land of egypt so this same night is a night of watching kept to the lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, And on that very day the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Chapter 13 The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day, There shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it you shall break its neck every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem and when in time to come your son asks you what does this mean you shall say to him by a strong hand the lord brought us out of egypt from the house of slavery for when pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go the lord killed all the firstborn in the land of egypt both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals therefore i sacrifice to the lord all the males that first open the womb but all the firstborn of my sons i redeem it shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes for by a strong hand the lord brought us out of egypt today's reading from exodus 12 is of fundamental importance the entire history of israel stands in relation to it Israel's emergence as a nation can be traced to their deliverance from Egypt. As a people, they commemorate this defining moment with the annual celebration of the Passover feast. We should devote some time to not only reading the account, but carefully reflecting upon it to appreciate its significance more fully. If we want to be free from the deadly consequences of sin that plague our humanity and have put us all under the sentence of death we need to carefully consider how this story applies to our lives today. The Lord gave specific instructions to spare the lives of the sons of Israel from the plague of death that was coming upon the land. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts in Exodus 12:22, God said that the blood had a special value before him. We will learn more of its value as we read the book of leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 for the life of the flesh is in the blood and i have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement the lord makes it clear that the blood signals that the life of another a life without defect has been offered as a substitutionary sacrifice on behalf of those who are under the death sentence. I am the Lord. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In Exodus 12, verse 13. Do we believe what God has required for our deliverance, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb without defect? Do we see that the shed blood is evidence of a perfectly lived life being offered as a substitute for us? and as a representative of the firstborn? Will we recognize that only the blood of the Lamb applied to the post and lintels of the door of our hearts can avert the angel of death from striking us with sin's full penalty? Do we recognize that only the blood of the spotless Lamb can provide the perfect atonement needed for sin? This plan of salvation that God has provided can only be experienced if we personally put faith in God's provision of the Passover lamb as a prerequisite for Israel's escape from bondage in Egypt and as the only means of being spared from God's judgment of death the blood of the Passover lamb needed to be applied to the two doorposts and lintel of each home representing each heart as the head of the home dipped the hyssop branch into the blood and painted the blood on the appointed places on the doorframe he would be making the sign of the cross for Christ, our Passover, has also been sacrificed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, as the book of Genesis unfolded the promise of redemption from our captivity to the hold of sin and death, the book of Exodus introduces us to the procedure of redemption. Exodus chapter 12 shows the role of the Passover lamb in the deliverance of God's people. The plan of redemption requires that we put our trust in God's word about a chosen spotless lamb whose blood alone could avert the consequence of sin, the penalty of death. We need to personally respond to that word by claiming that this lamb's sacrifice is our only hope for salvation. Like the children of Israel in the time of Moses, we need to be liberated from slavery. Our common human bondage is our slavery to sin. All of us have sinned in Romans 3:23 and 1 John 1:10. There are none who are righteous in Romans chapter 3 verse 10. All of us will sin in 1 John 1 verse 8. Therefore we are slaves held captive to sin. Left to ourselves we cannot be delivered from its power or consequences. Our own efforts, achievements, and religious piety cannot atone for our sins a ransom of supreme value must be paid. Only the offering of an impeccable life that was obedient unto death can satisfy the righteous demands of God's law. The offering of a blameless substitute who shed blood would be evidence of the full price being paid would be the only method to secure forgiveness and provide release from sin's captivity. Jesus referred to his role as being our ransom in Matthew 20, verse 28. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Some people questioned the emphasis within Judaism and Christianity on the need for substitutionary sacrifice, which included the shedding of blood. Couldn't we have a bloodless religion, they ask. We have already seen that Cain's bloodless sacrifice was rejected by God. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, Cain gave God what he thought best, the fruit of his labor. His brother Abel gave God what God required, the shed blood of an innocent substitute. The evidence of God's satisfaction with Abel's sacrifice was obvious to all. This pattern of covering sin with an innocent animal sacrifice was shown to the first man in Genesis 3, verse 21, and continues throughout the Bible. In the Bible, we see God providing a way when there is no other way. This is the story of our salvation. There is no other way than the one that God provides. In Genesis, we learned that from the moment man sinned, he suffered sin's consequences, spiritual separation from God. But God was there to clothe him with the provision of a substitute. In Genesis 3, verse 21, we learned that the promised seed in Genesis 3.15 would eventually reverse the curse. He would come from the line of an appointed substitute, Seth in Genesis 4 verse 25. The promise is renewed with Abraham in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. God gives Abraham a son, Isaac, as he promised. In Genesis 22, God tells Abraham to take his only son to the mountains of Moriah, meaning literally, scene of God. Isaac asks, where is the sacrifice? Abraham tells him prophetically, God will provide for himself a lamb in Genesis 22 8. The death and resurrection of the Lamb of God is foreshadowed in Abraham's obedient act of worship in Genesis 22, verses 12 through 22. A ram caught in the thicket becomes a substitute for his own son. Abraham names that place Yahweh-Jireh. The Lord himself will provide in Genesis 22:14, That place would later become the threshing floor of Araunah, the Jebusite, and would be purchased by King David In 2 Samuel 24, 21, there David will build an altar to avert the plague that was coming upon Israel as a judgment for his sin. That threshing floor will later become the site for the temple at Jerusalem, and part of that same shelf of rock would be recognized as Golgotha, Mount Calvary, where God would provide the sacrifice of his son. There on Mount Calvary, at the place called Golgotha, at the time of the Passover, the one who was first announced by John the Baptist as being the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John 1:29, would shed his blood as an atonement for our souls. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15:3. Jesus' sacrifice is a perfect once and for all sacrifice that pays the complete ransom for sin in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. From the altar of the cross, Jesus shouts, Tetelestai, the Greek word meaning paid in full, sometimes translated, it is finished, referring to the work of redemption, or it is a completion, in John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus dies, the veil that separates the holiest of all from the holy place in the temple in Jerusalem is torn in two, signaling the end of any ritual sacrifices needed Symbolizing an innocent substitute. Access to a holy God could no longer be denied because sin's penalty was paid. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Why should an innocent lamb be the victim for the wrongdoing of another? There are some who have questioned the idea of a substitutionary sacrifice for sin and have created a caricature of God as a person with an anger problem. They picture him arbitrarily sending his son to earth as if he had no choice in the matter and punishing him instead of the guilty offenders. They say that this diversion of anger is like kicking the cat at home when we are frustrated with the people at work or what some liberal theologians have called a form of cosmic child abuse. However, this caricature is a straw man It inaccurately frames the teaching of the Bible of a God who lovingly offers all that he is and all that he has to reconcile the guilty offending parties to himself, the offended. Some fail to see the unity of the Trinity, not only in having anger against sin, but also having a participation in the costly measures of redemption. They mistakenly see Jesus as victim rather than a willing Savior who chooses to lay down his life for those whom he loved. Jesus said, I and the Father are one, in John chapter 10, verse 30. The Father is offended by sin, and so is the Son. Not only do we read of the wrath of God against sin, in Romans 1.18, but we read of the wrath of the Lamb, in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 16. We also read of the Spirit being grieved by sin, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 and participating in Jesus' offering of himself to the redemptive mission. In Hebrews chapter nine verse fourteen. The Father is a participant in the redemptive work of Christ, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In Second Corinthians five nineteen. Jesus said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. In John chapter fourteen verse ten. Jesus' love is described in Paul's letter to the Romans and only makes sense if Jesus himself is God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, in Romans 5.8. Although Jesus' sacrifice puts an end to animal sacrifices being offered, reference to the blood does not disappear at the cross. Jesus' death on the cross was not just a way to eliminate sacrifices. We are to be continually reminded of the value of Jesus' ransom price on the cross when we break bread and drink from the cup with our brothers and sisters at the Lord's table. Reference to the blood of the Lamb continues throughout the New Testament into the last book of the Bible. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God 30 times. Now let's read from the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning with verse 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Chapter 21, The Triumphal Entry Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were indignant, and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In the morning... As he was returning to the city, he became hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. The healing of the blind men reminds us to make our requests known to God. The crowd did all they could to stop these blind men calling out to the Lord, but their faith was not deterred. They cried out all the more. In Matthew 20, verse 31, Jesus came into Jerusalem on the tenth day of Nisan, four days before the Passover. On this day, according to yesterday's Old Testament reading in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, the fathers from each household were to search for a lamb without blemish among the flocks outside the city gates, and bring him into the city. There the lamb would be scrutinized by the elders to see if any spot, fault, or defect were to be found. The elders would scrutinize Jesus, the Lamb of God, to try to trap him with their questions, they would see if they could find any fault in him. At the time when leaven was being cleansed from the households of Israel in preparation for the Passover, in Exodus 12, verse 15, Jesus was cleansing the temple from the leaven of the money changers. And now we continue to read from Psalm 25, beginning with verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted, The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God out of all his troubles. We are finding that in Psalm 25, the psalm alternates between petitions of need and affirmations of certainty. The first half, which we read yesterday, reflects our need when we are surrounded by external enemies who mock us, hinder us, and threaten to harm us. It is about our passage through many dangers, toils, and snares, as John Newton wrote in his hymn Amazing Grace. These petitions for help are mixed with bold affirmations. In you I trust. We will not be ashamed. You are my God and my salvation. I remember that you are good and kind. You are just, faithful, and forgiving. He is a keeper of his covenant promises and will deliver me. The second half of the psalm has to do with our internal enemies and inward sufferings, such as loneliness, troubles of heart, stress, and vexation of spirit the psalmist is aware of the reactions of his soul and makes this petition guard my soul and deliver me in psalm 25 verse 20. the gospel is a wonderful answer to the heart cry deliver me from me god answers this by giving us the cross of christ our old man is crucified with christ everything condemnable about us has already been judged in the cross of christ our death sentence under the law of God has been exacted in the body of Christ on Golgotha. Now we can reckon ourselves dead to the sinful self and alive to God. For us to live is Christ. In Romans 6:11 11, in Philippians 1, verse 21. Jesus is the answer to this petition. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Remember, Israel is the new name, meaning ruled of God for Jacob, his old name meaning cheater. God redeems the cheater and enables him to be ruled of God in the kingdom by his spirit. Now for the proverbial thoughts for the day. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 to 15. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly, in a moment. He will be broken beyond healing. Jesus taught that we give evidence for what is in our hearts by the words we speak. In Matthew twelve thirty-four chapter 15, verse 19, and Luke, chapter 6, verse 45. The writer of Proverbs reminds us that our eyes, our feet, and our finger-pointing will also reveal the condition of our hearts. How do we communicate with others? Out of the heart proceeds evil speaking, gossip, maligning, slander, sarcasm, put-downs, and the spread of strife. If these heart-revealing behaviors go unchecked, The end will be utter destruction. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are our Passover lamb and were sacrificed for us. Because you came to lay down your life as a ransom, we who believe are no longer children of wrath, but have been born into your family and made heirs of God through our identification with you. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, our resident teacher, who leads us into all truth. Thank you for your word, which illuminates our pathway, and your perfect provision for our need, the sufficiency of your grace in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading journey. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a free written copy of each day's commentary on the one-year Bible readings of the day with charts, illustrations, and maps, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can also learn about New Life's ministries, download free growth tools, such as how to know God personally. And don't forget to subscribe or follow this one-year Bible tour guide wherever you get your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.